Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jill Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hi, everyone. This is Jamie Jill Wright here with Mad Lit Musings, and I'm really excited today to have with me um, Angela Hunt, who is a guest here on the show today. Hi, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. It's so great to have you here. And you've got so many books and I've read so many of them in the past. So it's just exciting to to meet you and, and be able to pick your brain a little bit about your latest release. Oh, sure. Thanks. Yeah. So the latest release is What a Wave Must Be and what a ride this book is. <laughs> mm. It's not yeah. easy, is it? No, yeah. it's not an easy read, um, but I think it's a necessary read. So I'm really, I'm really excited to talk about this because um, it deals with topics that need to be brought out into the light more and more. So thank yeah. you for being willing to write a book like this. Oh, sure. Thank you. I mean, it needs to be done. My husband is a youth pastor and has been for years and years and years, and he has done so many funerals of mm. not only young people, but people who used to be his young people mm -hmm. and are now adults, but who chose to take their own life. And yeah. so I know how prevalent it is and yeah. how hard it is. Mm -hmm. It really is. So the book is really um, about two different points of view. Um, and it's about the mother of her son who decides to take his life and then his daughter from her point of view, Maddie. And tell us just a little bit about the story and what um, brought it to mind to actually put into a book form. All right. Well, the way it came about, um, first of all, this is not the sort of book that I would sit down and say, gee, today I'm going to write a novel about suicide. Right. I mean, really. Mm -hmm. But um, Jerry Jenkins was working with Focus on the Family, and they really wanted to do some novels about contemporary social issues that Christians are struggling with, as well as, you know, the general population. Mm -hmm. And so um, he contacted Chris Fabre. Tamara Alexander and me, mm -hmm. and we had a Zoom meeting with the folks at Focus, and we each chose topics. So um, Chris talked about aging and mm -hmm. specifically deals with Alzheimer's, and Tammy chose divorce, and and so I chose suicide. Mm -hmm. And because, as I mentioned about my husband doing all those funerals, right. and um, then I thought, okay, how do I approach this? And being the wife of a youth pastor, I've had a lot of experience working with teenagers mm -hmm. and being a grandmother, mm -hmm. I have, you know, I love my grandkids to death. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to mm -hmm. put those two together and send the, the teenage girl main character um, goes to live with her grandmom and granddad while she's mourning. And mm -hmm. so it's about how the two generations and also the mother's in the mix too, but she's sort of off scene for most of it. And uh, it's about how they deal with the grief that their son has bequeathed them. In yeah. Effect. Yeah. And I did actually, I chatted with Chris a while back on his book. Oh, good. And we just posted his podcast yesterday. 
Um, oh, cool. and yours is going to be going up really soon, kind of on the heels of that. And that podcast was, was super close to my heart because my father has Alzheimer's oh. uh, and it was such a blessing to have attention brought to it in fiction uh-huh. because uh-huh. there's so much emotion that you can't describe to somebody who hasn't gone through it. Sure. And I'm sure that's the same with your novel too. And my husband's actually been a youth pastor too. Oh, Um, okay. And so I relate, unfortunately, I relate to exactly what you're saying with, Mm -hmm. with suicide and it is so prevalent. And the hard part that I've noticed with suicide is it's a different sort of grief. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, and there's, there's, there's some passings that there's no warning, you know, it's a tragic, a trauma of a car Mm -hmm. accident or something. But suicide brings it a, a, a sense of something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you do the research on the suicide and the feelings that come through that type of grief? Well, I've read several nonfiction books on it. Um, mm-hmm. And and then again, a lot of books on coping with grief and mm-hmm. the special grief that you just mentioned about yeah. suicide. I think there's an element of guilt in that grief because the survivors keep thinking why didn't I see or why didn't he call me or what could I have done to Mm -hmm. stop this so there's that guilt that comes attached to it you know when somebody dies through a car accident or disease or something we can say well they're in a better place now they God took them home we're okay with that but in suicide we're kind of like well, God didn't take them home. They took themselves home. How, mm. did, how did that happen? And why did it happen? And I think why is the biggest question of all, because a lot of um, people who choose suicide don't explain why. They just do it quietly and mm-hmm. efficiently. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the worst of all. Yeah, I totally agree. I had um, one experience several years ago um, and it was a teenage daughter of a father who had mm. taken his life. And um, there was the why questions and it was why, why did it happen? And then also the, why did you leave me? Oh, yes. The Didn't abandonment questions. Yes. Yeah. Was Didn't I not enough to enough? fight for? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's just heart wrenching to see. And there's there's zero easy answers. Yeah, there really aren't because we can't be in another person's head as much as we would like to. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember two things that impressed me indelibly. One was in sixth grade. We had, um, it was called open schooling. I think it was the only year the school district tried this, but all (laughs) the sixth graders were in one big room and had lots of little areas. So you'd go over here for math and over here for whatever. Mm -hmm. But I remember the whole sixth grade being in this room and somebody from the office came and they got a boy. I don't even remember Mm -hmm. his name. And they took him out and the whisper started probably from the teachers. And the next thing we heard was his mama killed herself. They came and got him. And I have never forgotten that because even as a sixth grader, we were all like time stood still, you know? And then I remember um, in college, um, I went to Liberty back in its fledgling days, (laughs) pretty much under construction. And we stayed in this old hotel 
that had six floors and the guys had a floor, the girls had a floor like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember coming in late one night and I was standing at the registration desk kind of checking in and there was an ambulance outside and, you know, we thought that was odd. And then I saw one of my fellow students being taken down the stairs in a stretcher mm-hmm. and he was alive, Okay, but he was kind of sitting up pale as a sheet, mm. um, his arms folded and ha- they'd been taped and mm. And I knew nobody had to say anything. There were no whispers because it was obvious what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my goodness, at a Christian college where you hear God's word practically Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? How could that happen? Yeah. And uh, of course, he left school that semester and I don't know what happened. But even those glimpses of suicide Right. rocked me profoundly. And mm-hmm. so I can only imagine how the family members felt. Right, right. And I'm thinking back to some that I've experienced from a distance, obviously, because it, it, it hasn't been part of my own family, but through church family, etc. But I can mm-hmm. honestly say an interesting statistic in my own life is the suicides that I have been touched by have all been by people who are professed Christians, believers. Yeah. Um which from one standpoint, there's a, there's an element of comfort in that. But then from another standpoint, you're like, Christians aren't exempt from this. Yes. No. You know, and there's, I think a kind of a facade that, well, you know, you just need to have more faith and you can somehow avoid that darkness that suicide ushers in. Um, So did you find that in your studies and such that it was prevalent with throughout Christianity? Um. I think it's prevalent throughout all people. I did just a wee bit of of, uh, research for our podcast today because I wanted to make sure my statistics were up to date. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, someone dies from suicide every 11 minutes. Oh, wow. I mean, that really struck me. Every 11 minutes. That's what? Six an hour? Every yeah and by the time this podcast is over two people will have passed away yeah and um it's the second leading cause of death ages 10 to 14 oh my gosh 14 what and 20 to 34 um and for every suicide death there are 38 attempts and that's just in the past year not right forever in the past year for every person who actually commits suicide there were 38 people who tried and failed Failed. so i mean it is so prevalent Mm -hmm. and so yes of course it affects christians as well Mm -hmm. but i think one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that depression, chemical depression is far different than just feeling down in the dumps mm-hmm. some days. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes your body almost turns traitor on you and people who have cancer understand this. My body is, is eating me up. I mean, right. they can do that, but it's not as easy with chemical depression because it's not visible. They mm-hmm. can't cut it out. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, there were days my husband would come home and I would just be so blue. And it didn't happen often Mm -hmm. because um, 
I've been blessed in that I'm a very steady uh, personality, but there were days he'd come home and I'd burst into tears and he'd say, what I do? And I said, it's nothing, it's hormones. I just mm-hmm. have to feel this way until I don't feel this way anymore. But at the same time, that was nothing compared to what somebody with serious chemical depression feels. Right. They can't just get over it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think when they feel like that, they just feel that it's easier to go to sleep and not wake up than to keep struggling. Yeah. And my heart goes out to them. And if anybody listening feels that way, a number one, get under a doctor's care. Yes. Because your hormones, we don't see them in our bodies, but they are very, very powerful and they can make you feel um all kinds of ways. But doctors can help. So mm-hmm. I would urge you to immediately seek medical help. And um and there are other times when people just think that the people around them will be better off if they're not around to cause problems anymore. Yeah. And that is such a fallacy because um, the, well, I don't want to give away the storyline, but the man who does kill himself in the novel thinks that he's doing his family a favor if he just does it. And his his wife later tries to tell their daughter, you know, hard times are part of the Christian life too, because it's right. through those that we grow and we learn to lean on the Lord. And unless we're, unless we come to him because there's nowhere else to go, we don't really understand the beauty and the supreme rest that comes when we sort of lay ourselves down at the father's feet and feel that comfort. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are blessings in hard times. Maybe they're hard blessings, but we cheat ourselves sometimes if we don't allow the Lord to work in those times. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and while we're talking about this too, I wanted to throw out there, there is a national suicide prevention lifeline that yes. is available. It's 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255. Um, and I want to throw that out there too, if anybody's listening, because there's somebody out there that can help. Oh, yes. And I just saw yesterday, there's even an easier way. You don't have to memorize a phone number. Oh, hey. Text, text 988. Okay. 988 is text line for suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. All right. Well, I wanted to make sure that was thrown out there because we never know where these podcasts are going to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know, there's one other thing I'd like to make sure we throw out. Yes. Um, for the sake of anybody listening, I truly believe, I know a lot of people have been told and they believe that someone who commits suicide is going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but no. All right. When you think about it, Samson, remember the story of Samson, mm-hmm. how he disobeyed God and he was captured by the Philistines who cut off all his hair. So he lost all of his power. But Samson repented during that time. And God heard him and allowed his strength to return, even though the Philistines didn't realize it. And they chained him to two pillars in their pagan temple. And Samson prayed that God would show his powers. And he 
bro he brought down those two pillars and ultimately the entire temple collapsed mm -hmm. so in, in a way mm -hmm. samson took his own life because he right. did that knowing you yeah. know not gonna survive uh, that that he wasn't going to survive it mm -hmm. but the lord still heard his prayer now i'm not saying that god will allow you or bless suicide mm -hmm. but i'm just saying samson had returned to the lord and i'm convinced the lord took him to paradise which mm -hmm. was the old testament version right um but our lives are in god's hands he owns the life of a believer mm -hmm. so for us to usurp his authority by deciding when we're going to end it all, mm -hmm. I think is, is a really serious overstep. And by sticking it out through the hard times, by not quitting on this life, we allow God to touch others, mm -hmm. to change our outlook, to bless others, to allow others to be a blessing to us. And so I would just say, you know, times can be tough. They can be really hard don't quit mm -hmm. god owns your life we don't own our lives mm. yeah in your book you kind of explore um two points of view one coming from the perspective of that eternal hope and that faith in the lord and the other one really struggling with faith and where to put hope after mm -hmm. that um share with us a little bit your thoughts on that because those are two very different perspectives when you're oh, entering sure. a situation like this sure well the grandmother in the story is a is a believer and has been for years so she does have her faith to fall mm -hmm. back on um but the teenage girl is like a lot of typical teenagers she you know her parents took her to church when she was little but when she hit middle school and high school she just wasn't interested anymore and she kind of dropped out. And so when her father commits suicide, she questions everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a Christian and he couldn't see an answer. And right. um, which I'm sure would have made her father in heaven. I mean, her father, her right. earthly father. Earthly father. <laughs> yeah. Feel horrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, she questions everything. And then she starts hanging around this group of artsy melancholy type kids in school which only makes it worse mm -hmm. because there is such a thing as cluster suicides yes where teenagers start they start feeding off each other and it becomes almost like a fad mm -hmm. and um so she does get caught up in that and uh, i will say she doesn't succeed i mean she's alive at the end of the book and she's beginning I don't think it, I didn't think it was realistic to, oh, I believe in Jesus and everything's going right. to be fine, <laughs> you right, know, right. But um, she does come to that place where she begins to see that there are a there are people who love her and care deeply about her and that God also loves her mm -hmm. and has provided these people for her. Right. Uh, so, yeah. But, you know. I've been reading a lot of reviews in the book and I'm kind of chagrined every time I read trigger warning, trigger mm, warning, mm -hmm. because I kind of feel like in our society today, we never want to read anything that upsets us. I mean, right on, how else are we going to learn anything? Right. But I really feel that this story is important. It's hard. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. read. Um, 
it's about people who go through hard things mm -hmm. but we've got to learn as people we've got to learn how to tackle the hard things yeah and so i tell people read it for the people you love who have committed suicide read it for the people who are thinking about it read it just for your life experience so you'll know how to talk to somebody right if you find out your teenager or your grandchild is thinking about it mm -hmm. because um the grandmom does go to a counseling group afterwards and okay. learn all about the steps of you know the stages of grief and how to cope and there are lots of interesting people in the group who also share their experiences. And I didn't think I could really write the story without including all that. So, yeah, no, I think that's important. I'm, I'm reminiscing a little bit um, about four years ago. Um, it ended up being a chemical imbalance caused from um, Lyme disease that I had or have. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. we just, we discovered, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to compare myself to somebody who's struggling with extremely serious depression. Um, but it's, sure. it's, it's similar to what you were saying, where you want to try to relate to that, to a degree. And, um, by the time they found the Lyme disease, it's settled in my brain. So it's neurological and it'll be there for forever. Um, uh -huh. but having gone untreated, um, it did send me into a really deep bout of serious, serious depression, anxiety, mm -hmm and panic attacks and then they actually oh. translated into seizures so i was in the icu for a while before they figured out what was going on um but the one thing that i remember because so much of it when you get into that deep dark place um i remember my husband asking me because he was confused because i'm a pretty happy person in spite of the uh -huh. fact that i write dark fiction <laughs> um uh -huh. but he had asked me um what I was feeling because he wanted to understand and see if he could figure out where my mind was. And I said, I feel like I've gone into the darkest funeral that you can possibly go. And there's no way out. Like you're trapped in this dark, dark funeral of grief and despair and just utter hopelessness. And there's no way out. And the best thing he could have told me in that time frame and I'm thinking as, of this as for those of us who are around people struggling with deep darkness, the best thing my husband told me was it's okay. And not in the sense of, oh, it's okay. Everything's fine. You're uh -huh. just not seeing it right. He was saying, it's okay that you feel that way. Yes. Yes. It was permission to be depressed, which... Yes isn't a place you want to stay and live. And that wasn't his intention, but it was mm -hmm. not, I was a non-judgment of the darkness that I was in at the moment. And then uh -huh. I also heard um, later on the, the band, we are messengers came out with a song. Maybe it's okay to not be okay. And uh -huh. those words were so a pinprick of spark of hope. Yeah. That I think at least my experience within um, Christianity and within believers is instead of being told, well, let's pray together or let's do this together or let's do some sort of faith journey together. It was, I see you and it's okay that you're there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you're not alone. Uh-huh. And it was such an interesting um, struggle to go through for a year of my life and come out of that. And when I look at people who have gone through dark depression, um, or struggling with it currently, or even get to the point where they do take their own life. 
um, I always just, part of me aches to just come alongside them and just say, it's okay to be yeah. where you're at. And yeah. I think there's so much harsh personal judgment. I remember being so critical of myself. I'm not there as a mother for my kids. I'm not there as a wife. I can't, I have nothing to give anybody anymore. Uh-huh. And it's a dark place. It's a dark place. Yeah. So I share that just thinking about the concept of it's it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it is. And when you think about it, um, I mean, look at Jesus. He had mm. human emotions. Yes. He got angry without sinning, mm-hmm. righteous anger. Mm-hmm. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the point where he sweated blood. blood. And I actually read about that. It's an extremely stressed conditions. And there have been reports of, for instance, men lined up in front of a firing squad mm. do the same thing. Wow. It's when your body is like ultimately stressed, then your pores open up and literally you sweat blood. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did that. I mean, and I know there were times he was troubled. He was moved with compassion. Um, he knows about our human emotions. Mm-hmm. He may not have gone through, you know, chemical depression for the length of time that you did but he created us so he knows and he is with us in those dark times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um yeah i think we are so quick to blame ourselves when he is saying just rest in me here and now and i there are so many books written by brilliant people who write about their dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Maybe we all sort of have to have one before we really appreciate the other side of it. You know, I think you're right. I think mm-hmm. you're right. And when you do come out of it and you look back, it's life is so much more precious too. Yeah. Um, and there's so much more empathy for people who are struggling um, in whatever walk, you know, it doesn't matter what severity it is. Um, there's just this empathy for like, oh, yeah, this is tough. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My husband and I, um, uh, we went through, I went through a time of grief early in our marriage when we were trying to have babies and they just didn't automatically come. So then we adopted our children and that brought some special challenges. Yeah. And one of them is ongoing. And um, And I always tell my husband, I said, just think of how much more empathy we had. We always joke. We joke because uh, <laughs> you have to laugh or you'd cry. But right. we do if we'd never had adopted these children. We'd be rich and carefree, but we <laughs> wouldn't have empathy and we wouldn't have maturity and we wouldn't have, you know, all yeah. the things because it's through the challenges and things that we grow and we mm-hmm sort of develop those fruits of the spirit that are necessary yeah. for living. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's another sub- subject altogether, but I was adopted also oh. um, as a baby. And it's just, it's neat to see that empathy. Like you said, you know, I, uh-huh. my, my mom was always um, so empathetic with, with little ones that needed places to go and the struggles that they come and the feelings of abandonment and and then, mm-hmm. you know, all the experiences that they have, depending on their ages and what they can remember. Um, and it's, it's its own, it's its own topic, but it's also, yes, enough- it is. 
it's That's also, a, I, know one, I know, right. Let's not rabbit trail off on that, but um, it is just neat though. I think these are topics though, you know, going back to the topic of what a wave must be and the, and the depths of these topics. And I, I liked that you brought out the concept of the trigger warning. Cause I, I feel that too. Sometimes I see the trigger warnings and I understand it comes from a place where a reader's wanting to not trigger somebody into a frightening place. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know what, if they're going to go into a frightening place, we need to go with them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that we can at least be used by the Lord in whatever way he can to help those people in that journey, whether they're Absolutely. the grieving or the one who's considering ending things. So, yeah. In fact, I think on my Facebook post where I was saying, you know, you re- you really need to read this book. Mm-hmm. I said, if you're thinking about suicide, you need to read this book, but don't stop in the middle mm. to read it all. all the way. You have to come through the darkness to the other side. And I still believe that. And that's why I wrote it. So, yeah. I love it. I love, I love that you wrote it. And I'm thankful that God placed that on your heart to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And my prayer is that that will go out and reach people, the people that need, need this story. So. Thank you for those prayers. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Dark topics need lots of prayers because they get um, put under attack because the evil one doesn't want us to talk about them. <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't. And I tell you, God bless Emily Dickinson. I think yes. she lived. Um, when I started thinking, okay, what can Maddie, the teenage girl, what can she love? You know, what's her thing? And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my friend, Emily, she'll be perfect. Because Emily sort of had this macabre fascination mm-hmm. with dark topics and mm-hmm. and things. And so she fits right in there. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to come and talk about this. It's not an easy topic, um, writing about it, etc. But for readers who want to know what a wave must be is available now. It's written by Angela Hunt. Um, you can get it anywhere your books are sold. Um, and if readers want to follow you and find out more about some of the other books that you've written, what's the best place to do that? Oh, um, probably find me on Facebook. It's Angela Hunt, comma, novelist. And, um, oh, we're starting a really cool thing. Um, I have a Christmas Advent book that just came out and, um, it's really an in-depth study, but I mean, it's like a page and a half for each day and we're going to just be discussing it starting on December 1st in a special little face group, Facebook group I put together. So anyway, I'm very excited about it. Um, that's awesome. My goal was for after every day's reading, you come away going, I didn't know that. So it's very cool. I like that. And what's the name of that one? Just so readers oh, want to find that and join that. It's called Star of Wonder, an okay. Advent devotional to illuminate the people, places, and purpose of the first Christmas. Star of Wonder will do. <laughs> Star of Wonder. There you go. <laughs> All right. Great. So yeah, find that and and get a part of become a part of Angela's Facebook group. That sounds great. I might actually do that myself. So oh join us. I'll see you over there. I like that idea. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Angela. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm glad we found each other on Zoom. That was yes. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.